It is good to serve the Lord. There is nothing so great and so mighty to serve the Lord. Every knee shall bow and every mouth shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Either you are forced to bow or you voluntarily bow. One day it's going to happen. And I pray that the church will take its place. We celebrated the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not an event after we finish, we relax. The resurrection continues to work in our life and must continue to work in the church. I remember when they met, the disciples met together, you know, Jesus commanded them to go and wait for them, and they went and waited, and they were waiting at the upper room, praying, calling upon God, pray, I don't know what I would pray, they were praying, getting themselves ready, and Jesus came to them and they asked Jesus a question. And when they asked him the question, the question they asked was that, Lord, when will you, uh, 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 when will you restore the kingdom to... Uh, uh, uh. In fact, they thought Jesus was going to be a political leader. No wonder Hosanna, no wonder they were singing... They were thinking the king has come. It won't be long. We will put him on the throne. And he looked like he disappointed them. <laughs> because his kingdom was not what they were thinking about. His kingdom was different. His kingdom is more powerful than the kingdom that ruled Israel. The way to take his kingdom does not go with cutlasses with guns, with bombs. But his kingdom can capture the heart of man. That kingdom, the power in that kingdom can change life. And when they ask him, when will you restore, when will the restoration come? Therefore, when they had come together, that is Acts chapter 1 verse 4, uh, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore this kingdom to Israel? While they were waiting for him to become king, they saw the man was arrested. It was one of their surprises, even though he told them. 
He told them, I'm going to die. He told them three days old. But when they arrested him, uh, Peter decided, you know, from the beginning, he wanted to defend with the natural defense. He took his cutlass and tried to uh, 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 show the people that he took the listen and he, he wasn't going to cut his ear. He was going to kill him. And the guy was very smart. He tried to dodge and go the ear. Jesus disappointed him by picking the ear of his enemy and placing it back. That also gave them hope that the power still in the man. So they thought he was going to do something. He said, if this man speaking to the people can be slain, if this man can take the ear and put it without stitches and the ear will become normal within a second, healed the very hour and the very minute, then we know he will do something. So they followed him. They thought he was going to do some, uh, something and release himself. And surprisingly, they saw them slapping the master. Hey! Then Peter withdrew a little. They saw him, the way they were treating the man, and the man looked helpless in the hands of men. Peter had to deny that they didn't know him. He asked this question. Let me finish it. That question was asked. And Jesus said, let me finish my verse 4. Yeah. It is not, no, no. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Yes, continue on. The, Therefore, and he said to them, it is not for you to know the times and the season which the Father has put in his own authority. Continue on the next verse 8. But, did you see the but? But you shall what? Tell somebody you shall receive power. Tell another person you shall receive power. He said, my going, my resurrection, simply is because I want to put power in your hand. What you saw me doing, I want you to do greater and greater things than that. So the church is not a powerless church. It's the most powerful institution on earth. Yeah, everybody's quiet. America is not the most powerful nation. The Christian nation is the most powerful. So, <laughs> United Nations is not the most powerful. The church is the most powerful. So if they make a law that is opposite to God's law, God's law 
will consume it. Power is very important to the church because God by nature has promised in Isaiah that he gives power to the what? To the weak. God gives power to what? The weak. Anytime you're weak, I want you to know that you are a candidate for God's power. Because God gives power to the weak, his disciples look very weak in the world. After Christ has been taken away, they look very fearful. They lock themselves at a place. It is weak people that hide and lock themselves. <laughs> then he told them, that is not your place. And, oh my God, I love this Jesus. He told them, that's not your place. You are going to come out and you're going to shake everything. You're going to turn the whole Jerusalem upside down. They look at themselves, few of them, about 120. How can this 120 people turn the whole Accra? But when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when the power of God rests upon your life, the world will bow to you. For me, what excites me about the resurrection is his power in us. Now, power has left outside and have come into us. No wonder he said, greater is he that is in us than the one that is in the world. This world, God has given different levels, and we can move from levels of authority or power, levels of power. I think, let's look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. I'll read it again. That's the first level when the Holy Ghost came upon them. But you shall receive what? Everybody say power. Say power. At what time? When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. We receive power to become a witness. A witness in where you are people must see a change. Not only speaking, you become a witness that something has happened, that somebody has changed, that something has come onto their life, that this man is no longer like the way he used to be. This woman is no longer like the way he used to be. 
Yes, if you were a thief, now you go and find somebody's purse and take it and bring it. That is the first level of power. The level of power that Peter will speak and the heart of men will cut into pieces and will cry. Nobody will ask them and say, what shall we do? That power is in you. That those who will resist you, the words that come from your mouth will convict them until they bow to the Savior. I'll find time to talk about that power later on. Then, let me move to the second power, which is in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 33, the second level of power. And with great, and with what? With what? So we have power, and we have what? Great power. (laughs) With great power, the apostles give witness to what? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was what? Upon them all. It takes great power to give witness to the resurrection. Because the man was dead even though he resurrected the soldiers who saw him who were eyewitnesses of Christ that resurrected they have bribed all of them to turn the story around to say that his disciple came to steal them and nobody on this earth can believe that when somebody dies, he can, after he's been buried three days, he can come out again and live forever. So it must take great power with signs and wonders to prove that Jesus has resurrected. It's not only with words. Oh my God. Not only with words like the scripture says that the kingdom of God is not only in words but in power. When we preach this great power there must be a confirmation of what you are saying. When they see the confirmation you don't need to convince them that Jesus who died is alive. I said, I remember in the early 90s or I don't know 90s or late 89, I traveled to Zimbabwe and to Botswana. While we're going, I met a man who was who asked me my name very quiet sitting there. That was my first time I traveled, <laughs> so 
I was just observing how things are. The guy asked me, what's your name? I said, my name is Christopher. He said, oh, you're Christopher? Yes. And he said, is it good for you people to bomb Benghazi? At that time, Benghazi had been bombed. And I didn't understand. I am not a soldier. I am not an American. <laughs> but the guy equated Christianity to America. And I told him, there's a difference between America and Christianity. Christianity is a way of life and Christ in man. America is the assorted people put together. <laughs> he started again. He, he brought me to a certain place. He said, are you a Christian? I said, I'm a Christian. He's been trained to be able to debate Christianity and to punch holes on Christianity and I didn't know. The guy started asking me, do you mean Jesus is the son of God? And I was happy. I said, yes. I thought it was a simple answer. <laughs> so he asked me a question. Who is Jesus' mother? And I said, Mary. Now they make a call. Who is Jesus' father? Now your turn. You have told him Jesus is the son of God. And you are telling him Jesus <laughs> is the son of Mary. And who is Mary's husband? So if I'm able to tell Mary's husband, then the story... <laughs> So I knew the guy had put me in a trap that if I say Joseph, it means that Jesus was not the son of God. But he wouldn't understand why you call somebody his son and he didn't give birth. If I say Joseph, he asked me, so did God commit adultery? By giving birth with somebody's wife. And this, you cannot, I guess, God, give me an answer. And he said, speak in tongues. I said, what? Jesus, the son of God. This man will not understand. Tongues, even in Christianity, we are debating it. Well, I was struggling because I didn't want to embarrass myself more. He said, give me the answer. Then I started mumbling, speaking the tongues inside my head. How many of you have done that before? Yeah. Because they speak it aloud and let the man hear. Hey! I spoke it and the Holy Spirit took over in a certain way. And I saw my tongue speaking certain things. And the man was quiet looking at me. 
I said, this man is going to butcher me. I'm adding more fuel to the fire. By the time I finished, the guy spoke back to me in Arabic or in a language in Libya, one of the languages. He spoke back to me. I said, I don't understand. He said, you understand. Then I knew I said something, even though I didn't understand what I said. He said, you were telling me my story. How did you know that the name I am carrying is my uncle's name? I said, wow. <laughs> Once I play you into my field, he forgot the question, who is I grew, the Holy Spirit pulled his attention from the question to what was happening. He said, you were telling me that the name I'm carrying is my uncle's name. And you were telling me the village I came from and when my uncle adopted me and brought me to the city, trained me and took me to school. I said, Wow. Fear fell upon him. Then the next question I had, listen, I said, you haven't seen anything yet. Then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. This is the frustration of the guy. And I started telling his frustration. What he told the wife before he went to the airport. That one nobody knows. is between he and his wife, then he knew that this is divine. He said, how did you know all this? I said, Jesus, the son of God, who was, who was crucified, who is now alive, he is the one through his spirit speaking to me. He forgot about his question. There was conviction in his heart. And he's the first person. He then asked me, I know you're very sure of where you're going, the way you speak. I am a professor, a lecturer. I am this. I've been trained in both the Bible and Quran, and I know how to use this way, and I know where Christians there are. There seem to be questions. But I've seen something in you. Can you keep me this Christ? I didn't ask him. By the time I finished leading him to Christ, he had received the Holy Spirit. For me, that is not my excitement. He told me, I don't know whether he's alive or dead. He said, I know what I have done. When I get there, I will die. But I'm ready to die because I know I have peace within me. I know if I die, this God 
who knows everything. He is alive and my trust is in him. So I asked myself, at that time, will I be ready to die for Christ? No. I'm telling you the truth. His conviction to lay down his life for the gospel, I didn't have that type of conviction yet. I learned a lesson. I said, God, give me the conviction of this man that no matter what happened, I will also stand for you. It is not with long words. It is not with argument that he just saw a sign of the resurrection. With great power, God gave us. The word of knowledge, all this gift of the spirit is not this for display for ourselves. It is so that we can witness the resurrection. In fact, it is not even to tell who is going to die. For our people die. <laughs> but it is. If you are able to tell that somebody is going to die, it should be able to prove to people that Christ is alive. That is the fundamental thing. He gave them power. Great power. From power, we move to what? great power and one day I will take time to talk about this great power and how it worked. This great power came upon them and this great power is unique at a point Peter when he's walking his shadow that's the resurrection power even if his shadow shadow of Peter who denied Jesus Christ. Shadow of Peter who couldn't cast out some demon at a point like you. Shadow of Peter who had been frustrated before and say shadow of Peter after Jesus died who said I go a fishing. He had the same characteristic like us. But the resurrection power can change, can give us great power to be of great witness in this world. If the church will rely on this great power, we can then take the world. But if we want to reason with the world, I'm sorry. The reasoning power cannot understand God. If a dead is raised, a dead is raised before every eye, it is not a debate. No journalist can deny that <laughs> the man died. <laughs> and no journalist can deny that he resurrected. Uh, it is a message in itself. It means that there is something in what you believe in. 
Something must happen. Christianity, something must happen again. There shall be, there should be a revival, a shaking, and great power should be made available to the church. I pray that great power will be made available to us. Hmm. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17 to 18. The next level of power. That the God of what? Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the what? The spirit of what? Wisdom and what? Revelation where? In the knowledge of him. Oh, that is my prayer. 18. That the eyes of what? Your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what are the what? The riches of what? Glory of the saint and his inheritance. Okay, continue. Continue. And what is what? So there is great power, isn't it? And there is what? Exceeding what? Greatness of his power. This is where we must get to. This comes through revelation. It does not even come by anything. It comes through revelation. That when revelation comes, everything looks very simple. Once you understand certain things, operation of things, things are easy. The reason why some people say mathematics is difficult is because we don't understand the principle and the operation of it. Once you understand the principle and the operation of it, it is one of the easiest uh, 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 subjects, which whether your teacher likes you or not, he cannot uh, mark you down. Oh. But if anything you don't understand, anything you have no revelation about, it is difficult for you to operate. So may God open our eyes. Even if you don't understand the operation of marriage, your marriage will fail. You don't operate your marriage like you are ruling a country. You don't operate your marriage like an MD because I'm MD. I use the principle of management. You manage that lady. She's, that one is your MD in the house. <laughs> 
The principles are different. You need revelation. Sometimes you find a very difficult person nobody can live with. But you see one person who can work with that person. So the problem is not the difficult person. The problem is we who have not got revelation about that person. I pray that revelation will come. In fact, without revelation, you may not be able to know even the You can hear about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can analyze it in your mind that Jesus resurrected. But we must come to a point that we have the revelation that he resurrected. Or else, you will talk about him, but you don't know him. After he resurrected, you remember two of his disciples were walking with him. These people have walked with Christ in the flesh <laughs> so many years. They have seen him. But while they were walking with this resurrected Christ, they couldn't recognize him. It took prayer. And when their eyes were open, they said, I, that is Christ. That is how the world shall come. We are trying to explain Jesus to people so they don't understand him. But the world is moving in different direction. It takes a revelation. It takes revelation. I pray that God will grant us the spirit of wisdom. You know, if you read from above, the scripture I read in Ephesians, if you read from the top, you will find out that the people have faith. Let's move on. He said, when I heard of your faith and your love for the brethren, so they were not unbelievers. They were Christians who had faith, who have love for the brethren, which is enough, which is good, a good church like this. But we need to move from that level to revelation level. Once you get a revelation about something or somebody, the zeal, in you, there is some fire. Revelation brings fire. You cannot stand and sit down if you have revelation. Revelation will not make you sit down. You know this is how things should be. You know and know that, know that, and know. You know that, and know that, and know that the thing is true. So, so you cannot oppress something that is not true. Once you are very sure about your salvation, you are passionate about it, nothing can stop you. No situation can stop you. No mountain can move you. No storm can let you down. Even if you are dying, you will see Jesus is Lord. That is the type of revelation. When Peter and the rest God, that's the type of revelation which Paul had. Paul was directly against Jesus. How many of you know that? 
In fact, his mission was to go and stop the church. No amount of words. Paul was like a lawyer. He can argue his case. He can analyze everything in his mind. If they put him and Peter there to, to, to debate on Christianity, he may floor him. He may floor our Peter, our fisherman, meeting a lawyer to argue on the situation. But the power of God was on the side of Peter's side. After they killed, he was the one who supervised the death of Stephen. Paul was a supervising minister <laughs> for the killing of Stephen. Then he pleased people and he got, he was so burned in him. He hated Christianity like how some people hate Christianity now. Some people hate Christianity with passion. Not because of anything. They see you, you're a Christian, they don't like you. They haven't met you before, but when you say you're a Christian, they hate you. Like, I met one, I don't know, he, don't, he didn't know me. We're talking, talking to yourself. The church must pay tax. I said, why? Say they take money. The country is broke. I say, is it the church money that will make the country rich? <laughs> so he quoted me. Say, even Jesus paid tax. I said, yes. We all pay tax. I said, don't misconstrue what Jesus did. Jesus didn't take offering to pay tax. He knew it was illegal to take the offering to go and give tax. So he asked Peter, you are a fisherman. Go and work. And anyone that works must pay tax. So it was a legal tax Peter paid. Well, he went and worked and brought the, the fish. And out of the fish, he must pay tax. He didn't take the offering they gave them. He didn't say Judas. So when they came, he should have asked Judas because he was the cashier. But he didn't ask Judas. He asked a worker. I floored him. I said, next time when you are coming, don't bring scriptures. I said, church workers must pay tax. Church members must pay tax. But church offering, no tax. Maka. He wasn't saying it because he loved the country. He was saying it because he hated the church. He thinks that churches shouldn't sit in an air conditioning room. I don't know why people think like that. I said the very people who sit in air conditioning room in their offices. Is it not good for them to come and sit in air conditioning in the church? 
For one reason, I told him, AC is not a luxury in Africa. It's like a heater. It's like a heater in Europe in winter. It's not a luxury. (laughs) So when you hate something, you cease to reason. That's why believers must love and not hate. God bless you. Come